How's it going? Welcome to YEGMS episode number one. This is the first official episode of the YEGMS podcast. On this episode, besides a lack of vitamin D, is it possible that other solar activity may be the cause of MS? I'll also be talking about something that has absolutely nothing to do with MS. It has to do with people in line paying for things that are ahead of me and holding me up. And lastly, and most importantly, I'll have part one of my conversation with Megan Cooper, a local mother, wife, and MSer. We had an excellent conversation at a coffee shop the other day, and it went long, but in a good way. So I split the conversation into two parts, and part two will air in YEGMS episode number two. So stick around for part one, and hopefully you'll listen to the next episode and stick around for part two. diagnosed with MS uh, roughly eight years ago I've always been very curious about what causes it and of course no one can tell you there's a host of theories out there uh, so whether it's genetic and based on your family history or if it's environmental or if it's a combination of causes you know there's a host of theories but none has been proven correct shortly after I got diagnosed and I started looking at diet and supplements and things I could possibly take to improve my quality of life, uh, one of the first uh, hypotheses I came across was the vitamin D hypothesis. For those of you who are, who are not familiar with that, basically it's, it's, it's taking into account there seems to be a correlation between rates of MS and distance from the equator, which would suggest that possibly a lack of sunlight could have an, you know, could be the reason why we're seeing more MS in northern climates. However, it, it's not airtight, and it seems to be there's different areas of the world where, you know, they're close to the equator, but we still see MS. And the instances of MS are, aren't the same in the southern hemisphere as they are in the northern hemisphere. So for the vitamin D hypothesis to be absolutely airtight, you would expect to see far, far southern latitudes uh, have the same rates of MS as high northern latitudes, uh, which isn't the case. And about uh, a year ago or, or more, uh, I came across a paper called Geomagnetic Disturbances and Multiple Sclerosis. And the authors of that paper have found a correlation between a person's geomagnetic latitude, which is similar to traditional latitude and longitude. However, uh, geomagnetic latitude has it curves it's like a wave and they found that people that are living near 60 degrees geomagnetic latitude uh, that seems to be the sweet spot for MS and it's and it better ties together differences from the northern to southern hemisphere and it also seems to tie really well and where I live in, in Edmonton is very close to one of those 60 degree lines um, so I found that really fascinating uh, today I was snooping around and I found a 
companion paper to the original paper, and I wrote a short post on my blog about it at ownmultiplesclerosis.com, and they were looking at basically solar activity and, and geomagnetic disturbances from the years of 1990 to 2010 in the UK. And the UK is experiencing, uh, their MS rates are starting to decline. Uh, however, they're not in Scotland. And without repeating the entire paper here, basically in Scotland is closer to one of those because of the curve, uh, because those, those geomagnetic latitude lines are curved, happens to be closer to that sweet spot of 60 degrees geomagnetic latitude and that would explain why rates aren't dropping in Scotland but they're dropping in the rest of the UK and what's interesting about the geomagnetic disturbances I'm just going to start calling them GM GMDs instead of geomagnetic disturbances it's a, a bit less of a mouthful anyway the interesting thing about GMDs is it really also seems to be able to explain uh, differences between the northern and southern hemispheres. Anyway, so if you have MS and you're at all interested in what causes it, uh, I mean this this isn't proven. It's just you know it's a paper that's been released and there's these two gentlemen that have been researching it, but it's fascinating stuff. And one of the the things in this follow-up paper that I found really interesting is that they were saying basically if flare-ups and relapses were better documented, you know, so if us as MSers, when we have even a minor flare-up, uh, we were to have, to have a better reporting structure, they could map that along with uh, solar activity, because I guess these GMDs are actually fairly easy to predict, uh, because they're based on solar, like, uh, solar activity that's been tracked for hundreds of years, and they can actually predict, and what they were saying is, you know, if that relationship exists and they are right, then what could happen is, you know, basically your neurologist or your doctor would be able to forecast the year and know when uh, when risky times are approaching, if there's going to be some solar activity that could lead to relapsing. Um, then they could alter your treatment uh, to, to, to basically ward off or give you a better defense against that, those times of, uh, of geomagnetic disturbances. So anyway, it's a fascinating, fascinating read. Uh, I will leave the link to the blog post in the paper in the companion blog post uh, to this podcast on ownmultiplesclerosis.com. Um, I would encourage anyone to read it or look into it because it's fascinating stuff. And you know, I, I just think that if you know, can you imagine if your um, if your neuro or your doctor had had the ability to say, hey, you know what, Sean, from this date to this date next month, we're going to have to alter your treatment or you need to stay inside or whatever it is because that you know you could be exposed to um, uh, some ge some magnetic disturbances in, in, in you know our upper atmosphere that uh, that could lead to potentially a uh, a relapse. I mean that would be fascinating. So anyway, I, I highly recommend you you check it out. Again, I'll leave it on the the associate uh, the the blog post that's associated with this podcast. So you can get the link to the papers and you can read it for yourself. Now this next part is. Uh, has absolutely nothing to do with MS. Uh, it has to do with uh, some mild annoyances that I had today. And when you have your own podcast, uh, what a what a what a heck of a heck of a, heck of a platform to be able to vent some <laughs> some stress, uh, which as an MSer I need to do. Um, anyway, I was in buying a uh, I was in the, an electronic store today buying a 
buying a new webcam. And I went to pay. And the family in front of me, um, they were buying a, a case for, for the mum's iPhone. And it's taking them a while to pay, but anyway, because for whatever reason, um, it was just taking a while to pay. So they pay, and they're just about to leave the line. And there's not the store's not busy. I'm the only person in line. And as the, the mom's walking away, she stops and turns to the clerk, who's just about to grab my webcam and ring it in and start the process of me. And without even saying excuse me or anything, she turns to him and says, I need to know, is this for the iPhone, is this case for the iPhone 5? And she's already paid for it. I mean, you'd think you would, before you bring it up to the till, you would have think that you would check to make sure you're buying the right case. So the guy at the till is not sure. I mean, I'm sure that, the, you know, it's a big electronics, big box store, electronics store. I'm sure he's looking at it thinking, and you should see the look on the clerk's face. He's just like, are you kidding? You've already paid for it. But anyway. So it takes him about you know, uh, you know, two or three minutes to, to look over the packaging and, and double check and and the fact that he doesn't have the answer right off the top of his head. I mean, this woman is, is clearly getting frustrated and mad at him. And what what did he do? You know, you brought something up, you rang it through, and you know he's not responsible for the part of the store you bought it from. So anyway, it turns out it was the right right case uh, for her phone. But anyway, she walks away. And doesn't say, you know, thank you to the guy. Doesn't say anything to me like, excuse me, sorry for recutting in online. Um, and then same day, I was at, you know, I went for lunch today. And again, it wasn't that busy. It was this little, uh, little place near my office that I always go to. And primarily, I always go there because uh, I know the owner and I, I know I can get, you know, he, he knows my, my dietary preferences, so he makes sure that, you know, there's no gluten and no dairy and stuff. Because I'm one, I'm that guy, right? Anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting in line. There's one person ahead of me. And didn't know what they were going to order before they walked up. And are doing the whole, like, hey, i got to read the menu as I'm talking to the person. But this lady, when she was, you know, when she went to pay, apparently when you pay, you have to unload the contents of your purse on the counter. I mean... After she had paid, I mean, it took a good minute and a half for her to re-snap and zip and put everything away. Um, these things shouldn't frustrate me. Uh, they shouldn't. But, man, it just dri it was driving me nuts today. It was just absolutely driving me bad. And I know when you're an asset, you're supposed to you know, minimize your stress. Uh, yeah, so. And that has absolutely nothing to do with MS. But in the last segment, more importantly, and this does have to do with MS, uh, in this next segment is my conversation with Megan Coover. Uh, I had never met her before she agreed to speak with me, and um, we had a wonderful conversation that went far longer than I would have I would have thought. Um, and she even apologized, and I said, "Don't you know when we were going to leave?" And she said, "I'm I'm sorry I went so long. I talked too much." And I said, "Absolutely not. I mean." This is great. We got, you know, she was very open and very honest. She's very open about her MS and her story with MS. So um, take a listen. And again, thanks, Megan, for, for doing this. But definitely take a listen to this because I think uh, Megan's got a lot of great things to say. I'm sitting here with Megan at a coffee shop in Collingwood. 
Megan, thank you for talking to me and being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And how I start off these talks always is just tell me your story. How, how did the MS come about in your life? Oh, goodness. Um, okay, well, I about a month after I had had my son, so I have a four-week-old newborn, I started losing my eyesight. And I was in super denial. I figured it was something because of the labor. It was a 72-hour labor. So I was like, obviously, my body did not like that. And then I thought, I had myself convinced that it was because I had a toothache, that I was losing my eyesight in my left eye. I was That was all. I'm going to go to the dentist and get this fixed. And then it was my sister that actually said, Megan, go to the hospital because this could be something really bad. So I went, and I, I went to the, the hospital and the emergency room, and they looked, and they were like, oh, yeah, okay, it's optic neuritis. And I went, oh, swell, what do I have to do? You know, do I put an ice pack on my face? You know, what, what, what happens now? And he looked at me, and he said, well, usually it means that you have MS. And I kind of stopped, and I looked at him, and I was like, well, I don't know what that is. He was like, well, it's multiple sclerosis. And I went, did you miss the fact that I have a newborn? Because I can't have a disability and a baby at the same time. That's not, you know, that doesn't happen to people. That's not right. And he said, well, we're going to send you for an MRI. I said, okay. I got a call from a neurologist here in Edmonton. And he, <laughs> same thing. He was like, okay, well, it looks like it could be MS. And I went, again, did you guys miss the, the point that I have a newborn? You need to operate on my eye and fix it so that I can go back to being a normal person. And the doctor went, well, it, 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 you have, it could be three different things. You might have a brain tumor, lupus, or MS. And so at that point, you're like, I'll take the MS. That, that's yeah. exactly what I was like. Well, that's the lesser of the three, so I'm going to go with MS because I at least know, you know a smidgen about that. There was a news anchor that had MS. I know that much. I was like, there's a news anchor in Edmonton that had MS. Um, so after that... Uh, I went for my MRI. They put me on a steroid treatment. Um, so I was on that, and it stopped the progression of the blindness. But oh, nobody tells you that steroids are horrifying. <laughs> I had no idea. Going in there, like, okay, we're going to give you Sol Medrol. Sol Medrol? <laughs> and nobody says when you take Sol Medrol, you get this horrible awful metallic taste in your mouth for months nothing oh, yeah, tastes that, it's, good it's that I'm like yeah. Whoa, what is going on with my taste buds and you're putting steroids into my body does this mean that I'm gonna is that the one where they, they, yeah. you're on the drip right? you're on the drip yeah, it's an intervenous yeah. yeah I was like I have this happening does this mean I'm gonna get a six pack out of the deal like this is steroids no. and that nurse said wrong steroids I was like well obviously there's no bonus situation to this so rarely is. Yeah, yeah, right? And so it was it was a bit to swallow, but as soon as they said, you know, you're not going to die, I was like, okay, it's not like I have a month to live and, you know, I'm not going to get to see my kid grow up. I figured, you know, well, I've been through other stuff before in my lifetime. I can handle this. I'm, I can do it. All right, so what's the plan? What do we do? You know, and the doctor said, well, we'll put you on a treatment plan. And I said, all right, let's get that going. And, and again, I was on Rebif okay. for five years, and then I ended up developing an antibody for it. So it was no longer working. Yeah. So they switched me over to Capaxone, which I'm on now. And so far, it's fine. 
you know, I don't have any problems with it, but it, like nobody told me the other things that you could do to improve your quality of life. So I had to kind of figure that out on my own, which was fine. I didn't mind. Um, but it was, it was a, it was a lifestyle change that I wasn't that's prepared a, for. That's a really interesting point. Um, so when you were diagnosed, it was pretty much the treatment was take this drug. Yeah. Okay. And then take this drug, and then you're going to take this antidepressant to ensure that you don't try to commit suicide and you get super depressed. And you're going to take birth control now because you can't get pregnant while you're on these medications because it's unhealthy. We don't know what it's going to do to a baby, you know. And you're going to more than likely have to take a sleeping pill and all of these things. You have to stop doing things that, or stop taking your, yeah, doing things that you would enjoy, right? Like, you don't drink too much caffeine. Don't, uh, no more junk food. No more drinking, no more smoking, because I was a smoker, I still am. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but it was... Uh, it, I'm, the, a, I'm a reformed smoker. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, here we're getting, you get this, and here's your treatment, and now we're going to take everything else away that made your life comfortable and what you were used to. And we're going to flip that around. You're going to go ass over a tea kettle now because there's everything that needs to change. And I wasn't willing to do that. I was not willing to take part in that. I said, I'll take the treatment. I will take the medication that you need me to take. But as for everything else, I'm, I'm going to live my life as I normally would just because I'm not ready for that, that extreme change yet. I have a newborn that I still have to take care of. You know, so my... My daily meals were coffee and yogurt and a banana, you know, coffee being the main. <laughs> that was my main goal was to have as much coffee to help me function. Telling me I couldn't have caffeine, that wasn't going to happen. No way. So, I mean, it was, it was a challenge. It still is, especially eating healthy. I'm not the best at that. I really enjoy junk food. Really enjoy junk food. I am... You know, my seven-year-old, his favorite food is McDonald's. So, I'm not going to lie, we go to McDonald's and we eat there when it's his treat meal for, you know, good grades or whatever. But for me, it's been, all of it has been in um, proportion, right? Like, it's not, you can't be excessive about anything anymore. Everything in moderation. Yeah. It's not, you can't sit down and eat, you know, junk for a week and expect to feel amazing. No, you're going to feel like garbage just like any other normal human being. But for me, I just have to be a little bit more careful about it. Yeah, I know for me, when, uh, you know, obviously leading up, I was telling you about the run before yep. we started recording. Leading up to that, my dive was pretty clean. I finished mm-hmm. that run, and man, it went off the rails. Um, where, you know, because I was just, that was a month and a half ago. Yeah. And I'm now committed to getting back on track. Okay. Um, I think it was just sort of the, you know, when you're training for something like that, you have to give up so much. Yep. So it was finally over, and it was like, bring it on, <laughs> you know, just bring it on. I'm going to see five guys every night. <laughs> yeah. Chicken wings for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Um, so I understand that. Um, so lifestyle-wise, have you made modifications? Have you... I have. My trigger with MS, which is different for everybody, but mine has been stress. If I am under an undue amount of stress, then my MS is going to flare up and it's going to be really angry. And it means that um, 
we always joke about I will walk around like I have a piano tied to me because my body feels like it weighs 800 pounds, you know, and I'm not a big person, so, you know, for me that's, it was a bit of a kick in the teeth, definitely, to, to have to make those changes because if, I'm stubborn. I don't want to make changes. I like my life. I'm happy in my very comfortable, sedentary life. You you're talking you're about? in your bubble. Right? I am in my bubble, and you yeah. want to break my bubble, and I'm mad at you for breaking my bubble. Yeah. <laughs> so, I did, I've made healthy changes. I have reduced my stress level a lot, but I mean, we're humans. There's amount, there's going to be stress no matter what you do, no matter what job you're in, no matter <clears throat> how old your kids are. Your life is stressful, and it's part of being a person living in a city, I think. Well, you know, I think you bring up an interesting point with stress. Uh, and that's not the first time in doing these interviews I've heard that. Yeah. Um, that it seems to be a trigger for everyone. Yeah. You know, you have to... And I know for me, when I... If I let myself get run down, yeah. that's when I'm going to have a, an attack. I had, yeah. a, I had a mild flare-up uh, about three weeks ago. Okay. Um, and I think what it was is, you know, doing the run... Then two weeks later doing the bike tour, and then yeah. the Monday, or the week after the bike tour, I had to get on a plane, and I had to tra travel for business, and I got okay. really, really, uh, just run, not enough sleep. And yeah. Then how, how do you find that with sleep? Like, if you don't get enough, do you, is that a trigger too? Oh, yeah, I have to have between 10 and 14 hours of sleep a day. And oh, so I, you're, you're like most of us. Yeah. Oh, I am, and I'm in bed at 7 o'clock at night, you know, or 8 o'clock at night. My friends know, like... <laughs> Megan doesn't go out to the club anymore, you know, unless I, I get a lead up of like a month and then I can sleep longer and yeah. to, to prepare for going out. But no, I, um, I have to sleep a lot and that's okay because I really enjoy napping. I think napping is an, is an MS's best friend. I think it is. I think it is. I love it. It takes away a lot of my irritability. Like if I'm just growly, then I'm like, okay, I need to go and have a nap or, you know, something similar, go rest for a bit, which, I mean, I'm not going to complain about at all. Yeah. <laughs> I quite enjoy that ability. And how do you, you know, you have a, you have a seven-year-old, and did you stop having kids after the seven-year-old? I did. Okay. Does the seven-year-old know what's oh, yeah. going on with mummy? Yep. Most definitely. We got him a book. It's uh, Mummy and MS, and, you know, the days that mummy isn't feeling so good that... You know, we have a little sign on next to my bed that I can turn, say, you know, it's a bad MS day or it's a good MS day. And he knows, you know, bad MS days, this is what has to happen. And good MS days, this is what we can do. So instead of going to the park, we'll sit and read a book or play a video game together. You know, on the bad ones. And on the good MS days, we'll go swimming and go to the park and all those good things. But he's quite understanding about it. So... Strong family life, then probably yeah. help. Yeah, yeah, it it is most definitely. He's uh, my reason for surviving it. It's amazing, right? Yeah, that how that works. Like, I didn't have, I didn't meet my wife or have children until after I got diagnosed. Okay. Um, which I mean, is kind of backwards, I suppose. I, but um, my kids are young enough right now; they don't, they don't, they have no idea. Right. I mean, I don't, my, my oldest is four, and I think that she, 
I don't even know the concept of disease. Like, I mean, you, you could explain it to her and she'd understand what you were saying, but I don't think she'd really understand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, now, you were saying uh, before we started recording that uh, you got involved in a, in a larger MS group in your Facebook page. Right? Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that. Um, it's, a, it's a group called Young Adults in Edmonton with MS or something along those lines. Um, basically, it's for the newly diagnosed people that are under the age of 45 because it has been an older person's disease for so long that the those of us that are young and getting diagnosed we're kind of left in this well we see all the kind of older generation and they're all in wheelchairs and scooters and walkers and they have feeding tubes and they have colostomy bags and you know you see this and you're like that is not me that can't be me in a year you know or two years I, there's no way I can live my life like that so we started with the MS group, we, we started, or the MS Society, we started a group basically geared towards those of us that are younger and still married and have little kids to say, you know, what are you doing? Are, are you trying this? And who's experiencing this? And um, basically just kind of standing together to say, you know, we're not, we're not alone. We're still young. We can still do things. We're not, you know, we're not destined to a life of, you know, being wheelchair bound we're we're going to be active and we're going to be okay we just have to you know modify it so that we can still stay healthy right you know I, again you, you touched on something yeah. I think is really important um, when you look ahead I know for me the thing that I really hate about the disease is the not knowing mm -hmm. you know when you get diagnosed and, and we were talking about this kind of, well, you've got MS, take this drug, yep. you know, have a good one, yep. see you later, and and all they can tell you is this might happen, yep. you, you may end up in a wheelchair, yep. or you might not, yep. or this may be as bad as it gets for you, or it yep. might be a lot worse than six months, or six years, or, yep. you know, 25 years, whatever yep. it is, that, I mean, for years, um, that was the hardest thing for me dealing with, I really... I shied away from relationships, I shied away from everything, because I just didn't know. Yeah. You know. I just thought, well, I'll live my life as best I can right now. Yeah, you don't want to involve anybody else if you're no. going to go downhill. Right. Right? So, how do you handle that? Oh, Lord. Um, I call it my um, my snowflake disease, because I never know what I'm going to wake up with, you know. Every day is different. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's... Um, I cope with... And people are going to probably take not kindly to it, but my doctor said, you know, in, in 35 years, when you're 60, whatever, yeah. 70, you will possibly be in a wheelchair. I'm like, I am down with that. I have lived to be 70, year old, 70 years old. Ah, somebody else can push me around for the remainder of my well, days. Hey, a lot of people are 70 who don't have a nice That's right. right? So. so I was like, you know, I'll kind of, I use my sense of humor. I use, I'm exceptionally positive about it. Like, I, when I got diagnosed, it took me about a month <clears throat> to come to terms with being diagnosed, but I Only then... Only a month? Yep. <laughs> it took yeah. me years. I didn't, I didn't give myself the time. I guess not with a new department. Don't no, I was like, I have to get on the ball and I got to do it quick. I would have loved to stay in bed and pull the covers up around my face and been like, fine, I'm just going to lay here and yeah. the world can go on without me, but... 
I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. This is a blessing for me because I lived my life previous to being married and have my son very fast. I was, I, I, I was that girl that was, you know, oh, we're going out this weekend or we're going out every day this week. Okay, I'm down. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, I rode motorcycles. I hung out with the wrong crowd. It was, I lived my life on the edge of, you know, everything. I wanted to be a part of whatever was happening, anything exciting. And then I had my son and it was kind of like the universe said, you had your fun. Now it's time to slow down and we're going to make you slow down. Is it fair to say, and I have my own personal take on this, but I'm going to ask you, is it fair to say that in in a strange way, getting diagnosed was a bit of a blessing? It was, 100%. I will stand by it, that it was my, it was my wake-up call to say, you have a baby, and you're going to miss so many things if you continue living your life so quickly. You need to slow down so that you can watch him while he's sleeping. You can uh, make sure that you're there for his first steps so the first time he crawls or when he falls down. And having MS gave me that ability to say, no, you know what, I don't feel like it. I don't, I don't want to go out. I want to stay at home with my son. You know, and people understood that. And so it gave me, gave me the strength to be able to put my son first. Yeah, I, I just, you know, when I when I got diagnosed, I was probably 200. I was probably pushing 270. Okay. Um, you know, I'm still over 200 pounds. I'm always going to be. I'm just a, I'm just a big guy. Yeah. Right. Um, but even when I did I, when I did my run, I was about 215. You remember I told you my diet went off the rails. Yeah. I'm back around 222. <laughs> <laughs> a month and a half later. Um, but like I said, I mean, I was like, it was just such a relief to get it over. But uh, and all for myself that I don't think unless because I was the same as you. I, yeah. I mean, I but I and I worked in that industry. I mean, I I uh, I was a partner in a restaurant. I had a little cafe. A lot of my friends were in that industry, bartenders and this yeah. and that. And you know, it wasn't uncommon for me to be out till two or three a.m. on a Wednesday night when most people are you know have to be up at seven. Yeah. Uh, you know they're. But when the diagnosis came, I had to, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen easily, and I was fighting it. I mean, I'm still fighting it some days. Um, yeah. Where, but without it coming, I don't know that I would have ever calmed down enough. Mm-hmm. That when my, even if I would have met my wife, I don't know if I would have been tame enough to, to see what I have. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To realize the good. Yeah. 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 And, you know, because we, we talked about family life, and I just think it's so important to have a, you know, to have a partner that at home who understands mm-hmm. and can give you that time sometimes when you need it. Yeah. Or those days where you can't go to work or whatever it is, like. Yeah. Um, do you work? Oh yeah, full time. Go. <laughs> full time with a seven year old. All right. Yeah. And now, now, did you ever feel like after you got diagnosed, did you ever feel that I don't want people to know? Like, were, did you, were you ever uh, scared to let it, let the cat out of the bag? No. I was shouting it from the rooftops. Oh, okay. I was never... I'm not a person that will hide or feel ashamed or... I'm not worried about people looking at me funny. I'm not that type of person. So when I was diagnosed, everyone knew. 
that was my, so what do you do? Oh, not only do I work in the pipeline, I also am surviving MS. So, you know, his handshake. What do you do, what do, you do in the outfield? Oh, I used to be a safety officer. Oh, wow. But I work in construction now. I just work in an office. You know, they, yeah, no. oh, I couldn't imagine working out in the field. Well, the stress, right? Like, I, my, my neighbor is an all-field guy. And, um, it sounds a lot more stressful than my world. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was, most definitely. And you had to be on the ball for so many things, and I just don't want to do that anymore. I'm happy in my comfy little life with my son and I don't want to have to worry about somebody else getting injured or whatever I just I'm yeah so when you when you look ahead in your life yeah what does that look like do you do you, do you plan things around MS or do you just plan things you like you would normally and just say you know what it um, is going to be what it's going to be what it's going to be I got to plan my life the way I'm going to plan my life I wish I wish I could say that I was gonna. I, I plan my life day to day, but I don't. I have. Um, I have prepared for the worst. If it happens in the next little while, I plan my day to day life around you know whatever, just like a normal person. You know, you get up, you go to work, you feed the kids, get them to school, get them to camp, whatever. But I've also made arrangements that if I do go downhill quickly. Yeah that I have my village that will step in and take care of Lucas and my husband. I have friends that, um, like one of my girlfriends, she's in charge of sports. So she will have him in, you know, soccer and, and volleyball and tennis and all of those. She'll be the one that takes on that uh, part of it. I have another friend that will take on the tutoring side of Lucas. Um, I have another friend that will take on the spiritual, uh, his spiritual well-being. You know, if I, if I can. Are you a member of a specific faith, or no. is it just general? Spiritual? Just general, okay. just general. Like, know that um, there's a higher power looking out for him. Yeah. You know, there's even though I can't anymore, there is still people that will love him and take care of him. I will love him until the day I die, but I need people around that will be able to verbalize that for him if I can't. So I've prepared for the worst. My husband hates it. He's like, that is such a black, horrible thing to, such a negative energy. Why would you want to do that? And I said, because I need to know. I need to be, I need to know that you guys will be taken care of, that somebody will come in when you don't feel like it to make dinner and help out around the house, do some, do some cleaning, you know, if I can. I don't expect that to happen anytime soon, but I... How, how's your... Is there been a progression of your symptoms? No, nothing. So you pretty, it's, it's just like, do you have any, you know, like neurosis in your... Oh, yeah. Your yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's just like the normal stuff that kind of comes along with MS. You get fatigue and you get the tinglies in your fingers and your feet. And when you're tired, your eyesight goes a little wonky. Or when I get exceptionally tired, eating is the last thing on my mind. So I survive on smoothies. Really? Oh, God. When you get that tired, you can't eat. I can't eat. The, the physical thought and action of bringing a fork to my mouth is exhausting. I wish I had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't, because smoothies get really old really yeah, fast. I um, 
No, that's fascinating. I, that, one, that one I haven't heard yet. Oh, yeah, it's it's exhausting. If, it, if I've had a week where it is, I've had to go balls to the wall with work and Lucas and, and my husband and just life in general, you know, whatever has happened. And it's like, well, now you have to have something to eat. Uh, no. Can I drink it? Can I... Can I sip it through a straw? Because if I can, that's what I'm doing. You want me to eat chicken and potato? Not going to happen. No way. That means that I have to chew? Oh, no, I don't want to chew. <laughs> wow. Oh, see, that's the thing that nobody ever tells you. They tell you the big and scary, and you're gonna, you may end up in a wheelchair, and you may end up with a, with a pee bag, and you're not going to be able in a feeding tube, and all these big and scary things that you don't, kind of you're taken aback by like what I don't want to be bedridden and not be able to bathe myself they don't tell you about the little itty bitty things like oh yeah doing up buttons when you can't feel your fingertips that's going to be really entertaining buy things with zippers <laughs> you know yeah the odd you know or I'm fairly okay with but the odd time I have to like there'll be a button I just look around like can you yeah, can you get this for me, you know? And, yeah. Or I have to get my son to do it. Those little itty-bitty zippers, oh, those are the bane of my existence on dresses. Oh, I have to get my son to do up the zipper. I'm like, come on, this is not happening right now. I'm trying to look smoking hot for a party, and I have to wear a dress with a zipper. That's super. Nobody tells you that doing your hair when you can't feel your hands. Yeah, like, I'm bald, so I don't have a problem. Yeah, I have been tempted to shave my head so many times. I'm like, just cut it off. I don't want to do it, you know? So yeah. you have to call in your people, and I call in my sister or my girlfriends, and I'm like, okay, I can't do my hair today, or I'll go into work early, and I'll have my boss do my hair so I look presentable, you know? Relearning and how work, to... And is your work really supportive? She is. Her mother has MS, so she understands what it's like um so she's very very good i am very lucky to have a boss like i do um i fear that if i kept my old job in the pipeline that the men that i worked with might have had a bit more of issues with you know coming in and me saying can you just put my hair in a bow detail can yeah. you braid it for me yeah. <laughs> or something you know relearning to do your makeup because i got optic neuritis so i was blind in one eye Having to relearn to do your makeup with only one working eye. I had, this, I had same same thing with me, left eye. Yeah, yeah, same thing. And I was like, I, I have to try and figure out how to do my makeup with one eye open now. It, it healed itself, thankfully, you know, over the years. When I'm tired, my left eye will definitely go. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not working anymore. The only thing I notice my eyes like now is if I look too far to the right, it's just, it's just not quite right. Yeah. There's a little blur. There's a little something, little something, something happening yeah, over there. <laughs> but, it's, but it's not like I look that extreme right very often. Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't really make much of a difference. Yeah. Um, now, do you have you? You know, you take your Capaxol. Yep. Do you do you supplement with anything or just the Capaxol? Like no, I have vitamins that I take. Okay. Most definitely. I mean, as soon as they said, if you up your vitamin D, your day could go a whole lot better. Oh, all right. So I have these awesome little vitamin D chews that taste like chocolate. So I get my chocolate fix and some vitamin D. Yeah. I'm happy. Um, I have a really hard time swallowing pills, so everything I have is chewable. So I have a chewable multivitamin, like my son. We take our little Phineas and Ferb vitamins in the morning together, and it works. 
really enjoy and since, it. And since you got diagnosed, have you had any really bad flare-ups? Have they been more just the, just the, you know? Well, I've lost my eyesight twice in the past eight years. So there was the, the, the initial eyesight and then two more times after that. Um, other than that, I have, I've been really, really lucky. And I count my blessings every day for that, that it's nothing horrible. You know, it's it's not like I'm I've ever been paralyzed. Um, I have friends that have been, and I couldn't even imagine what that would be like. Um, I think it's just the little things, the little sand in your shorts that are really annoying, right? Like, I don't know if people it's something that you talk about, but being able to go to the bathroom or having to go to the bathroom way too much. Like, oh, it's like constant. Like, constantly. You constantly have to go to the I'm like, really? Again? I just had a sip of water and I got, oh. Or it goes the, like, I have friends that it goes the whole other way and they can't. And I'm like, why? It's annoying. It's not, not painful or, you know, like, debilitating. It's just really aggravating. Like, that's, that's some, especially when you're having a really good sleep. Right, and, and you have to kinda, wake up. You're kind of half awake because you know you have to go. And you think, oh come on, just really? a, just a couple more hours, just a couple more. Come on. And no. I find for me, I can go about five hours of straight sleep. Then I'll have to get up and pee. Yeah. Then I can sleep for about another two hours. Then you have to get up and pee again. And then and then it's just like, you might as well stay up after that. Yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, that was nice. You know? Yep. Thanks. That was um, good. I wish I miss sleeping in. Yeah. I miss sleeping in because everybody's like, oh, he, Lucas is old enough now. You can totally sleep in. I was like, I wish I could, but my bladder wakes me up and I have to get up. <laughs> so, you know, my husband laughs at me and he is like, up again? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I would almost be okay with like a home catheter system that I could just pop in at night and right? I could just sleep for... I loved having my C-section and I had to have a catheter. I was like, I don't have to get up to pee. I'm the laziest person on the planet. If I don't have to get up to do something, I won't. I'm like, we just leave that in. I know that some people will be like, that's the worst thing in the world. And probably after about a week of having it, I'd be like, I'm done. But sometimes after, you know, peeing. Just, just to be able to sleep 10 hours yeah. in a row. Like, that would be such a magical event. It really would be. You know? Oh, that would be lovely. Like that's, I, no, that's on my bucket list now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was even, because uh, it's been so hot lately, I was, uh, we have a bed down in the basement, and I slept there one night, because I don't know how you would with temperature, but mm. I just can't. Like, nope. it gets to a certain temperature, I can't sleep. And we have AC in the room, but my wife's a very cold person, so we shut it off. So, otherwise, she's, like, under six blankets, and she's got a two-pot, and it's the middle of summer. So, it's just easier for me to go downstairs and sleep, because it's nice and cool down there, and I don't mm-hmm. mind. And there was one night where my daughter's old potty was sitting there. It was yep. not far from the bed, and I thought, you know, that's way closer to the bathroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't, but it's... It's so tempting. You have to really, like, sit and, you know, a normal human being would be like, no way, that's gross. But for those of us that have to go every 15 minutes, it's like, oh, yeah, but that's that's really close. That's really... I, I'll stop being an adult for five minutes just so I can go on the kid's potty. Well, we're, sure. we're sitting in a coffee shop right now, and normally I don't I don't drink coffee. I normally drink tea. Okay. But I didn't have tea because if I have it, I think it's because it's warm fluid. You have to pee. And because we were going to have this conversation, I thought, you know what, I'm not doing it. 
You can stop to go to the bathroom anytime. Well, okay, right now. I'm just saying, <laughs> I didn't want to have to keep pausing, pausing, pausing. Yeah. Um, Gotta go again. Because once, once the floodgates are open, it's... Oh, I know. You break the seal. You're yeah. done. So, um, have you, like, other than the, the MS group that you, uh, with the Facebook page, have you gone to any, like, meetings or meetings of MS people, like, where you actually meet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we used to meet at the very beginning for about three years. We used to meet every month. And then we go on. We went on couples retreats together through the MS Society. No way, really? Yeah. Yeah, so, and then there's a, it's a thing for a, a retreat for your caregivers. For your caregivers to get away and relax and stuff like that that the MS Society puts on. I don't know if they still do, but they did. Um, so we would meet for that and... You know, I develop really close friends, and I'm still friends with them to this day. We keep in touch. We phone. We text. If we can get together, we will. But, you know, everybody has busy lives, and then adding MS on top of it. So meeting and talking with other MSers, and not necessarily in a format like this where, no. you know, it's different, but when it's just like, you know, you're kicking around ideas, and that, what does that do for you? Like, um, it depends. Sometimes I find it exhausting. Really? Yeah. It is, because um, I pick up other people's energy really quickly. Um, so if other people are down and they're, you know, they're, they're feeling like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, I have a really hard time because um, me personally, my, my ability to stay okay is my ability to stay positive. Yeah, I don't do pity parties myself. I no. can't do it. If that's no. what you need, you're talking I, you to the wrong guy. Yeah. I can't do it, so I found it tiring for a while, and then I just kind of pulled pulled away for a little bit. Um, but then I found I'm I'm a comedian that if you're gonna be down in the dumps, I'm gonna pull out a stand up routine out of my pants and be like, no, we're turning this around right freaking now because I am not gonna sit here and mope because I can do that at home. I want to be out to enjoy other people and be able to have other people that understand what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. so. how, how did your, not, not, not your, you know, your immediate family, but like your mom, dad, and that, how did they react when they found out? Um, they reacted worse than I did. They were, it, it was, um, they had a really hard time coming to grips with the fact that I, it wasn't going to be the same. You know, that I, I was going to have to live a different lifestyle that I, you know, they thought that for sure I was going to, I was on death row, you know, this was a sentence that nobody could, could fix and, you know, they had to all prepare and huddle around me and, are you okay? Okay, well don't get up too fast, you might fall down. I'm like, I'm still me, you know. And if I fall, I fall. If I fall down, I'll be able to clean under the couch. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> so, you know, it was, they had a really hard time coming to terms, you know, especially my, my sister. She's one of my best friends and I love her to death. And But she was so scared that it was, you know, that I wasn't going to be okay. Now she's like, whatever, you're fine. <laughs> I'll come and help you when you need, you know, a couple months ago I had to have help with you know, just getting my house back in order. I needed the laundry had piled up, the dishes were going crazy. 
And I was like, oh my god, I can't do it. So I, my husband called in my sister and was like, okay, we're calling in the troops. <laughs> Everybody come pitch in. So she was like, ah, now I get to help you. Yay! <laughs> and you, you I remember when I first got diagnosed. When, anytime, once my extended family got to know and our family, friends and that, every time... I would go to a function, like a birthday or something. I'd always get the, oh, hey, Sean, the little head, the little head tilt. Ugh. How are you doing? That yeah. drove me nuts to the point where I actually wrote an email to every family member where I had their email address. Mm-hmm. I go, look, don't do the head tilt. I don't need your pity. Yeah. You know, I'm fine. I'm probably doing better than most of yep. you. Right? I'm not dying. You know, <laughs> like, I'm good. Yeah. Because it would just, when they get the, 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 you know, that little head tilt where they kind yeah, of, yeah. Yeah, oh. Yeah. How are you? Do yeah. you need to sit down? Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you just kind of go. They look at you, you like you've, you've lost a family member or yeah. you, you had an amputation or something? Yeah. Now, do you find that, you know, as the years have gone by, that's that's improved where people are now oh, back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whenever anybody new to the family finds out. They're the, you know, um, the, uh, my nieces are hilarious. They uh, introduce him. Oh, this is my auntie Meg, and she has MS. And I'm like, it doesn't define who I am. Yes, I have it, but I make it look good. Back off. <laughs> and so I get, you know, new people that are like, oh, really? My MS and I are quite close. We've come to good terms of our relationship. I always look at it as, as the girl in the room. I don't bother him and he doesn't bother yeah, me. Yeah, don't poke the sleeping bear. Yeah, just leave him alone and it's there. <laughs> he knows it's there. He knows I'm here, but if he leaves me alone and I leave him alone, everybody's We're good. good. Everybody's happy. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was an adjustment, but, you know, it was something that you learn to deal with. And I think that for anything that I had to cope with, like if that was kind of in my cars to have a disability, MS is, that's a, it's a pretty decent one for me to have. I don't have the horrible MS where I'm in a wheelchair and I'm in pain and, you know, I look and I, I feel for the people that have to cope with that. I really do. But I was damn lucky that I don't have that. So it could be much, um, much worse. I, I know, Amy, I went, when I did that run, when I came into uh, Camrose, at the finish line, the local booster club from the MS Society was there. Yeah. And there was, I don't know, four or five people in their rascals, you know, those mm-hmm. automated carts that drive around mm-hmm. in. And here I just finished running for 12 hours, yep. right? And I thought to myself, I remember really thinking, and I was exhausted, I remember thinking to myself, like, they have the same thing as me. Like, yeah. that literally could be me someday. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it really, for me, it puts it in perspective. We go, well, it sucks. Yeah. But I feel really fortunate that I'm not at that point. Right. I could be at yeah. some point in time. Well, yeah. Um, but I'm not now. So yeah. I just try to make the best of it while, while I can, I'm still up and around. And the nicest compliment I've ever received is when friends of mine say, you know, I always forget that you have. Yeah. Right? You don't look sick. Yeah. <laughs> like, thanks. I'll try harder. Yeah. Maybe? Would that make you feel better? Here, give, give me that knife, you know. <laughs> yeah. Jab it in your fingers. Does that, yeah. that, does that work for you? Do you want me to start walking around with a cane? Is that, that going to make well, you feel a little bit better? 
You know, when you were when you when we first started started talking here, you had said uh, when they said MS, and you know, how much did you know about it? Nothing. Yeah, me too. And I and I find that I remember I was watching an episode of The Family Guy. This is a couple years ago. I don't really watch that show, but I happen to be watching it. And there's a guy across the street, and he had two, a, you know, a cane in each hand. Like yep. Those ones that go up to your elbow, yep. those type things. And I know one of the characters said something to him, and, and the guy looks back at him, and, and, and in kind of a slow voice says, well, I have MS. And I had MS at this point. Yeah. I'm like, that's what you think it is? That's not me. Like, as, as bad as some of the characters are in that show, yeah. I went, mean, well, that's not fair to millions of people. Yeah. And I rarely get offended about anything. Yeah, yeah. But that one kind of took me because I mean, you know, for so many people, cultural references like that become, mm-hmm. well, that's what it is. Yeah. I heard it referenced in The Family Guy, and the guy had two canes, and that yeah. must be what it is. And they don't understand it runs from, you could meet me and never know. Yeah. Like, when we first down, sat down, we didn't know each other, and you asked me, you went, oh, you have MS too? And I went, yeah, yeah. right? No, you can't tell. You wouldn't have known from... No. Right? From that all the way up to people who are completely bedridden. Yeah. Right? And I know when I got diagnosed, I heard of, I heard of it. Mm-hmm. I had an aunt with it, but she always seemed like I'd remembered her. I didn't really notice anything. Yeah. So, but I knew it was serious at the same time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I did say to a cousin of mine, I think it was last summer, like if I'm going to get one of the, the big diseases, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, relapsing, remitting MS, sign me up. Yeah, sign I can dig up. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, if that's in my cards, all right, I'll take it. You yeah. know, I when the doctor said it could be a brain tumor, I was like, oh, no, it couldn't. We're going to go with the one that's easiest to deal with, and MS, I think, is kind of on that track, especially relapsing, remitting. It's kind of the lowest form of having MS, I think. Well, my neurologist, you know, his thing was, Sean, what we're going to try and do is make sure that the disability doesn't progress. Yeah. So, the symptoms you have now, you're going to have them, yeah. but we don't want it to get worse. Yeah. And I went, you know, well, I live a really normal life right now. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's go with that. Yeah. Let's just continue on that path. I remember, you know, my realizing what I had and it almost being a relief because my husband was very much, you know, you're not going on the internet to research this. You are not reading anything. You are not, no, no, because you're gonna, you're gonna scare the, the life out of yourself, forget it. So he went on and he started reading and he gave me kind of the, the basics of what I needed to know. You the know? Cole's notes this, yeah, yeah, this is, this is kind of the, what's, what it is and what it's doing right just the disease itself I was like well I know it's out there it's got a name so obviously it's bad you know doctors are like ooh you have MS ooh okay you can't get insurance (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) I was like oh I can't be a donor alright that's well cause what (laughs) I'm gonna donate my my kidney and you may just get MS with it maybe well I was I had to have I had to have a medical uh, like two weeks ago, because I'm trying to get uh, life insurance again. Okay, have fun I, with that. I keep, I keep telling, you know, I keep, it's, it's through my investment guy, and I keep telling him, like, we, we can keep trying. Yeah. Like, I, I, I want to buy the insurance. Yeah. You're never going to be able to sell it to me, no. but you can send the nurse by my house. Yeah. And 
And the funny thing is, because I just did that run, my resting heart rate's 50. My yeah. blood pressure is really, like, this. he's doing all my vitals. He's like, this is fantastic. For a guy your age, Jesus, you're in really good shape. And I'm like, well, I just ran an ultra marathon. Yeah. Like, my heart almost doesn't beat anymore. It's so slow. <laughs> and so I would have better vitals than 95% of yeah. the population. And then it came to the line of his form he's going to fill out. He's like, do you have any neurological stores? I'm like, yes, I do. Yep, and there it goes. And I went, so you're going to check that off, and that pretty much guarantees that I'm not going to get You're going to get declined, yeah. And he, and he was a third party. Like, he, he can't work for the insurance company. He can't work for my girl to be yep. impartial or whatever. And he said, you've obviously tried this before. I said, I think you're number three. Um, I mean, I know how this goes. Yep. You know, they, they, they CMS, and they... And, and because of, uh, of the running and stuff, odds are pretty good. I'm going to live a, a, yeah. a long time. I, I might be on a wheel, but I'm not going to die. No. Right? So, I mean, I think I'm a really safe bet for these yeah. people. And you should look, you know, if you, if you took that off the thing, <laughs> I'd probably get extraordinarily cheap insurance because, like, oh, this, this guy's not going to die. Yeah. Guys, so he's no. got no nicotine in the system. That I'm not, like, right? Yep. But, no, I know, like, I haven't heard back, and that means that... You didn't get it. No. Yeah. Or that they're like, oh, we don't want to give him the bad news. It's like, really, it's not bad news. I already knew it was coming. Well, I think it's funny. Every time yeah. he wants to try for life insurance, I honestly go, I think it's funny. Because I just look at him and I go, all right. Yeah. Some paperwork for you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't you, know what you want me to do. Well, he keeps telling me, well, no, we, you, you'll just have to pay more. I'm like, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure if they approve me. Yeah. The life insurance that would cost a normal person 30 or $40 a month, for me, it's probably going to be 300 Yeah, exactly, right? But they still won't give it. Nope. Not so you've obviously gone through that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, I think it's kind of entertaining because I'm like, just stop trying. Stop. Stop trying. It's not worth it. You know, like, you're causing yourself more grief by sending in the paperwork and filling it all out. They're not going to say yes, you know, but... Well, some of, like, some... <laughs> person in a cubicle that gets that application form is just going to go through it and if they approve it and their boss finds out yep right no you're in trouble i think it's hilarious when um for government and the tax forms you know you have to fill out the disability tax credit every seven years or whatever and i didn't realize that mine was up so i get a phone call for the government you need to fill out a new tax form and i was on the phone and i went why she was like, well, your seven years has expired. I said, well, you didn't come up with a cure. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, MS, still got it. I don't know why I have to fill out a new piece of paper for it. It's not like you guys, you know, released this magical cure that made it go away. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, uh, you, you still have to fill out the form. I was like, I'll fill out the form, but I'm just saying it's not going anywhere. It's like <laughs> if you were born with four fingers and you got a tax credit for it. <laughs> And they said, you know, because you were born with four, four fingers, you have to reapply every three years. Yep. And I would just look at the person like, do you think I grew one? Yeah, exactly. It's going to grow back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I find it very comical that people are, you know, there's still that, that kind of blanket little bit of ignorance there. Like, no, it's not going anywhere. It's not cured. I mean, research is great. That's awesome. Here's a tip for people listening to this that have MS that I just recently discovered, if you currently only have to renew your driver's license every five years, the worst thing you can say when you're at the, when you're renewing your license is mention that you have MS, because then also they will, I have, I've had MS now for eight and a half years. Yeah. 
right? So I've already gone through one cycle of licenses, and I never, and I can just reapply every five years. I happened to slip out the last time I was there that had MS, and then all of a sudden now I have to reapply for my license every year. Yeah. Don't tell them that you have it. Yeah, because you don't have to. You don't. You don't have to. It's not on your, it's not a requirement. Don't say anything. Yeah, because it's just a pain, a real giant pain. So what I ended up having to do is I was talking to my neuro about it, and he said, oh, I can get, he's he's just changed. I used to get a twice a year checkup. Yeah. He said, Sean, you're doing really, really good. Like, your tests are really, really good. We're going to move you to an annual checkup. Okay. And he's like, he wrote a letter that I had to submit to them. Yeah. Saying, oh, he's fine. He's fine. So now I'm back. Now I have to go and take this. And I'm in the process of doing that. I have to take the letter back saying, I'm back on the five-year plan. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so annoying. Like, every year, like, oh, Jesus, my life is, like, my license is going to expire. Like, I'm not going to Oh, yeah. And it's it's just one more thing that you have to worry about. It's like, come on, really? Like, there's, I, I don't mean to insult all of the 80-year-old drivers out there, but there are some folks out there that shouldn't be driving, and they get their license every five years. And That's it's true. Like, you you, you be... drive 30 kilometers everywhere you go. You can be 80 <laughs> and be on the five-year plan. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you shouldn't be. And just because I happened to slip up the line, even right after I said it, I went, oh. Uh, can I take that back? Because all of a sudden, the drawer opens and another form comes out. I'm like, oh, no. And so there's a tip for you. Don't ever mention that you have MS when you're don't, doing anything with your license. Don't do it. It's bad. And that was part one of my conversation with Megan Cooper. Megan, if you're listening, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and speak with me and being so open about your story. For those of you who are listening, part two of my conversation with Megan will be available two Thursdays from now when I upload the next episode of YEGMS. For anyone out there who would like to get a hold of me, you can email me anytime at Sean, S-E-A-N, at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. That's O-W-N, N as in Norman, multiplesclerosis.com. You can also find me on Twitter. My handle is at ownms.com1. You can also check out my website at www.ownmultiplesclerosis.com. You can also have a look at the webpage for the Really Long Run, and that's www.reallylongruntoendms.ca. And I'd be happy to hear from you. If you, ever, if you would like to be a guest on the show and share your story, send me an email. And we'll have you on. Uh, if you, I mean, you can be someone with MS, a caregiver, a family member. Uh, you know, I welcome speaking to anyone who has any relationship to MS. So that's it for now, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks' time.